Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has their life changed? What did the year 2010 bring them? What has the last decade brought them? And what do they hope for over the next 10 years? Today's Your Last Decade guest is Van Tracy. And if you were listening last week, you actually heard his wife, Julia, on the show, which means we had a husband and wife duo back to back. They have both spent many years in the acting world, and Van actually spent many years as a professional stage actor, mainly in New York City, but all over the country. Van has experienced some big job changes over the past 10 years, and honestly, some people might see his change as a step down. But what I hope you hear is a man that shifted his priorities and life calling later than most would think is okay in life. I love his story, and I know that you will as well. Here's my conversation with Van. Van, welcome to the special edition of Your Last Decade on the Happy Hour. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a okay. pleasure. It's a pleasure because last week on the show, your wife was on the show. And so now it's you. We have two. This is the first time we've had a married couple back to back. So this is just a lot of the Tracy family right here. <laughs> so we're. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, okay. So I just kind of introduced you. You're married to our guest that we had on last week. So we know you have two children and mm-hmm. you live in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's just jump in then. Are you ready? Great. Yep. Okay. This whole thing, you know, is about your last decade, mm-hmm. which last week when I talked to your wife, we went two decades back because we talked about 9-11. Mm-hmm. So we won't go there with you because she told us about y'all's time in mm-hmm. 9-11. So, but tell me, what were you doing in 2010? In 2010, we had been in Austin for two years. We moved here in 2008 um, with our son, Xander, who had been born in 2006 and so we had just had Lydia, our daughter, uh, who was one years old in 2010. I was still, I had moved um, from the company I was working for in New York. They had offices in a lot of the capital cities of various states, and it worked out to transfer here. In I had been gone to law school at Fordham in New York City and was doing legal work here in 2010. I just as a little bit of background. My whole undergraduate and everything up until moving to New York, like in around 2001, was I was going to be an actor. I was a musical theater major at Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, but had decided to get a real job. It started, and this uh, this goes back a little bit. Yeah, I love the backstory. Yeah, the stage for where I was at that time. Uh, I started working at a little hedge fund, basically just as a temp job in between acting auditions and gigs and Uh stuff like that. And the legal counsel there had sort of said, oh, you're doing it, even though I was usually just answering phones as just a you know, receptionist, uh-huh. essentially. And um, 
She's like, oh, can you research this legal topic and write something on it? And that grew because I was apparently at the time doing it well. And (laughs) they encouraged me actually to go to law school thinking I was maybe going to come back to this little hedge fund and, you know, helped them with international or tax law, both of which were extremely boring. I learned mm-hmm. very quickly. <laughs> but, and had, so I went to law school. I graduated. I'd worked for the New York City Corporation Council, which is the sort of non, they, they make all the TV shows about the DA's office, you know, when you're working for the city. I was defending the city. I was the non-sexy okay, got it. part of, of working for the city law department. And so if somebody sued the city, tripping, falling over a sidewalk, and sued the city because the sidewalk was raised yeah. or something like that. We were defending the city. Okay. And I did that for several years, and I liked the trial work because it sort of had a performance aspect, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Yeah. Our, our jury system and trial you know, has this performance element to it. But through a term of events, I decided to go sort of uh, in-house or work with this company called Corporation Service Company that does a lot of uh, legal work. And yeah, we moved here, and I was doing that. I still always loved the performing arts, and I mm-hmm. really, especially looking back, know that that was sort of where my heart was. Yeah. And even though I was doing this, and it was a good, steady paycheck, and it was you know benefits, especially for an actor, like oh, health benefits, yeah. and you know insurance, <laughs> and you know paycheck every week, not yeah. just. Uh, yeah. um, and so through our church, I'd been with Julia, my wife, and I. We had sort of helped with the drama and stuff. So I was keeping trying to keep one foot in it, and I was still doing some auditions things like that, but it continued to feel, and it, in 2010, it had just maybe just started because the recession had happened in 2008. Right. And what I thought I was going to be doing here changed. They, they, I was fortunate that no one, they didn't do any layoffs, but they weren't, when people were leaving, they weren't filling those positions. So I was, okay, Van, could you temporarily do this, too. Do this mm-hmm. but that then turned into it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. And that continued to grow and sort of not like, you know, every year at the annual review, I would sometimes even say to Joe, I was like, you know what, if I'm doing this in a year from now. I can't do know, it. I can't. But then years went on and on. And it just continued to be more, you know, and, and, and I'm very thankful for that time in my life, but it was not what, it was not soul satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because there was this passion for the arts and theater and And you music. weren't getting that that I wasn't getting, you know, I was trying. I was trying to, with my spare time, uh-huh. to, you know, keep that a foot in there just to satisfy that somewhat, but it wasn't really doing it. So yeah. I've, I've sort of moved from, that's a period of, you know, about 2010 to close to 2018, 2017. But, okay. Um, okay, but I have a couple questions. Yes. When you were in New York City mm-hmm. and you were an actor... A starving actor, is that what they call it? <laughs> starving artist, yeah. Starving artist. Um, and you decided to go to law school. This seems so out of the box. Uh-huh. Because you'd went to, uh, your undergrad was in- Musical, musical theater. theater. Yeah. You're in New York wanting to be an actor. Did you ever feel as though I'm kind of throwing in the towel? Yeah. To certain, I mean, there was that element in a lot of my, you know- you And you know, and Julie were married. Yep. We had gotten uh, married in 99. Okay, yeah. Um, and I started law school in 2001, right when 9-11 happened. Yeah. My first semester there, was we had to take time off and everything like that. But yes, Julie uh, not so affectionately refers to my three years of law school as the lost years. The lost years, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was, and I had been doing auditions and I got one, sort of the closest that I got to really making it. I, there was, they were having auditions for Les Mis and I got down from, probably 400 people that were auditioning down to about the final four people they were looking at for Valjean, the okay. lead in Les Mis. Okay, uh-huh. And of course, at that 
sort of young age, especially relatively now, uh-huh. like, uh, you know, I'm writing in my head my whole future and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a lead role on yeah. Broadway. And, you know, you get in your head. And it was, that was a really rough, so we had done zillions of auditions and not gotten them, but to get that far that close. And of course, coming from a family who's done community theater and everything like that, you know, my parents are trying to encourage you. Like, well, surely if you got, you know, down the last four for Valjean, they're going to put you on as this other role. Uh-huh. I'm like, Dad, it's not like community theater. You know, it's not like where <laughs> everyone gets a role. And <laughs> We're going to move know, you around here. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, Valjean's the biggest guy. And, you know, they're not going to hire somebody who's bigger than, because from a visual just yeah. aspect on mm-hmm. stage, he's this big character. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't work like that. And so that was sort of, you know, what... Was that your last kind of rejection before you started law school? Last major one. Last major there one, were yeah. Probably, you know, because it was just, you know, you're weekly yeah. going on different. Yeah. But it was the most significant. And it's the one that, you know, you're just like, it was just. Uh, yeah. So this is making me wonder, like when I, I my daughter's story and I just went and saw Aladdin here in Austin. It, in fact, we saw the very last show before they said no more shows because of coronavirus. Um, and as I was watching it, and I love musical theater. I love going to watch it. I, you know, It's not something I would ever want to do. Uh, but now hearing your story about getting so close to that and living in New York City, and, and last week your, your wife was like, you know, you got to have thick skin. To mm-hmm. be, you get rejected all the time. How, what do you say, do most people go to New York City for this dream and have to leave it there? Probably, I mean, percentage-wise, yes. Probably, it's just got me thinking, like, huge majority. talking I mean, to two actors and then seeing Aladdin last week and just thinking, I wonder how many people, like, this is their dream, and they go, and they have an experience like this, and then, you know, you, we're going to hear from your, what you're doing now, that mm-hmm. everything's kind of come full circle, uh-huh. which is fun to hear. But I just got me thinking, like, I wonder how many people head to New York City or L.A. with a dream, and they never... It never happens. The the vast majority, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, because it's there's such a mass amount of people that, and there's lots of extremely talented people, but there's also lots of people that probably needed to have someone in their life speak into it <laughs> and say, like, you know, hun, this isn't your thing. You're great, but you know, this might not be where your career's at. Yeah, and and Julie's of course right. You have to have this thick skin. You have to understand that when you don't make the audition. Especially in this industry, as opposed to, you know, if you go into a business with your resume and this, you know, there's these stepping stones, you can sort of reasonably think you get mm-hmm. the job based on your qualifications. Whereas in the acting, especially in, as a performer, the, the the person you're auditioning for might not like the tie you're wearing. Or you might go in and you might remind the casting director of his ex-girlfriend that yeah, you hate. Yeah, and he's and like, I'm out. He's like, you know, it has nothing to do. And to try and get to a point where you're not just beating yourself up and realizing there's so many other elements that go yeah. into that decision that have nothing to do with me and my quality and my work. But in answer to your question, yeah, there's lots of that's people lot. who go there that, that's too much for them or they just decide, you know what, I've got I've to make ends meet. Yeah, I've yeah, gotta, I've I've got to get a temp job. Do something. And then and, it yeah. leads them to law school. Next <laughs> course, thing you they, know, you're a lawyer. Isn't that what every actor, you know, <laughs> yeah. they just go off to so law school. So you go to law school, you become a lawyer, you and Julia move here with your son, have your daughter. Um, you're doing law here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then what switch? Because you said at my annual meeting, if I'm doing this next year, I'm not doing this anymore. So there's something like kind of dying inside of you. Mm-hmm. What? Tell us what happens next. So it's 2018, summer of 2017, I think. Yes. And a friend of my wife's had told her, she's like, oh, this, this school here in Austin, has their music teacher has left and moved on to another job. So there's an opening. Van should go interview for that. And because Julia, you know, had been aware of this sort of desire, I mean, like, I mm-hmm. wish there was a way. But, you know, it's always seemed so, there's no easy way to leave this security and then go 
and just become an, you know, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going to just go be, be an There's actor There's a lot again. more at play here. Yeah. I mean, money, Family, insurance, mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. Like, you, right. you, you think like, oh, I'm just going to follow my dreams. Well- there's three people in your house, and this is what's been happening. Yeah. So I understand the struggle. Yeah, and Julia came to me and said that, and I was like, "Oh, that's, I mean, that's interesting, but I mean, I don't have a you know traditional teaching, yeah. teaching background and certificate and stuff like that." And well, it's a it's a private school, so that's not one of the requirements. Why uh-huh. don't you just give it a try? And I was like, "Well, I might as well." And in the meantime, I'm just about to leave, sort of on a last minute trip that my family uh, invited me to go to Italy. Uh, for two weeks, but this is all happening, you know, very fast. And so I sort of try and figure out how to combine a resume, a legal resume with a sort of performing arts resume and make it something they're going to be interested in and write this letter and all this stuff. And I get to Italy and find out that they want to have me come in and interview. And I went in for the interview and I remember the head of school, I can, I can vividly see the three people that were in the room in the different body postures and things like that, who as I'm talking about my sort of real life experience as being an actor and in New York City and a performing artist, and then the law part of it, it you wouldn't think, okay, well, well being a teacher, what, what is that going to have to do? But the sort of conflict negotiation uh-huh. type thing <laughs> yeah. that happens between parents and teachers or parents and administrators or things like that. And he was really interested in, I could tell he was like asking me the questions, like wanted to dig deeper and getting this information. And it turned out they called me back for the second interview, met with some other people, and they offered me the job as the music and sort of theater teacher there at the school. And it's this whole combination of feelings like of this is this is great and but nervous like I, I, I you know did they make a mistake hire me I don't do they realize I don't have this teaching certificate but they were really interested in what I brought to the table as an actual performing artist and. I started that, left, and fortunately, all the people that I was working with, they even, they knew from working with me for however many years, and I was always sort of the creative one and mm-hmm. coming up with these funny parties for our office parties <laughs> yeah. and, you know, things like that. It it worked, and so that's that's why it was a huge <clears throat> switch. I mean, there's all sorts of things to obviously think about money, how are we going to, you know, because the school— Private schools aren't paying what the law what firms the are legal, paying. Yeah, yeah. 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 There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now, and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. 
I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with the Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Native comes in over 10 scents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the pumpkin spice latte collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo, that's D-E-O, dot com slash Jamie Ivey. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivy, J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order. Okay, so I have a couple questions. Yep. Um, my number one question that I want to ask you, and this is just because I know this is what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. Did you feel... As though I have, I went to law school. I've been a lawyer for, you know, X amount of years. Did you feel like this is a step down to go be a musical theater teacher? I didn't. Well, so I mean, personally, I didn't feel it was a step down for me. It was a step down in salary, mm-hmm. but it was pretty obvious. It wasn't immediately obvious that others viewed it of me taking a step down. Did anyone say that to you? My dad was sort of like, what, what, what What are you doing? You know, because it's not, you know, it's sort of the opposite progression, right? Right. You're supposed to sort of be, and the way, you know, there were, you know, some social interactions that when I was practicing law, I was spoken to and included in groups or conversations that, oh, you're just a teacher. Wow. You know, uh, of, at first I sort of, I don't know whether I was in denial or just sort of like, oh, this, but then... I was like, oh, I think this is actually, they think different of me based on what my job title yeah, is yeah. And, and position is. And that's been a interesting and a little challenging. I mean, to me, like I said, for me, it was not a step down because I knew how much happier I was doing it. It didn't, it, you know, I was in the gig for three months and probably the most affirming but, you know, your wife's required to be like, yes, you're doing great. Uh, hey, yeah. this is good. But my son, Xander, I remember him saying to me, he's like, Dad, I'm so glad you took that job. And I'm like, well, why do, why do you say that? He's like, you just seem so much happier now. Wow. And that sort of, you're just like, oh, yeah, this was, this was the right thing at the right time. Because it was, it was, you know, I was coming home. And I had nothing left in the tank when I would come yeah. home. And it was just like, sort of leave me alone. I wasn't really in a good mood. And it's, it's not like starting a teaching job all of a sudden. I was, you know, it wasn't exhausting. It's, I've said frequently, it's, it's equally, exa- it's like, it's like when you go skiing and you've skied the whole day and you come home and you're just wiped out, but you've been, you're wiped out because you've been doing something you're wanting Fulfilling to do. And, fun, and yeah. yeah, that you've been doing. And it's a very different feeling. So you said you all, you felt this is the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. 
it feels like maybe that thick skin that you've had to have has helped you know that it doesn't matter. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what these people think about me in social settings or whatever, because you feel more alive now than you have in 10 years. Yeah. True. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, for me, I don't get personally, I, like, I don't really take it personally. I've noted it as sort of just hmm, as an interesting, interesting yeah. thing that's happened, but it doesn't, you know, I'm like, you know, if that's, because there's a part of me, if, if that's what you're basing your, what you view as my value that's, as being a that's friend a problem or being anyways. just, yeah, then what's, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, yeah. What has been, um, besides, I know you just, switching jobs has done so much for you, but in the last, you've been there two, three years? Three years, I'm in. This is yeah. your third year. What's been the best thing about it? At the end of the school year, note emails or notes from students or parents about what their involvement in the theater or the choir has done for them or meant to them. Because I look back, you know, it was about fifth grade when I was in fifth grade that I had a guy, he was our choir teacher, but also did sort of what we called then the show choir that was Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, the little performing thing, who was sort of supportive and poured into the students, you know, and he was tough and, and, you know, but he had a very big mark on what I decided to do and go into performing arts and to have that sort of come full circle and have a parent, somebody like to say, oh, my daughter, you know, she was always sort of reserved, but she decided to try the musical this or on her last year in eighth grade. I teach up to eighth grade. It's a middle school. And, you know, she's just blossomed or this was, you know, just things like that. I saw so-and-so come out of, come out of his shell and now he's going on and doing this. And you just read those and you're like, ah. That makes it worth yeah. it. Yeah. Someone told Aaron and I when we were new parents, they said, when you find someone who um, loves and cheers on your kids, you'll do anything for them. And I can think to teachers who were that for me, I can think even of my kids' lives, of coaches and teachers that have poured into them. And it really, I mean, you're a parent, so I don't have to tell you anything Mm -hmm. here, but from a parent, I can say, man, it really is a really big deal when you see a teacher bring something out in your child that they didn't know they had, you didn't know they had. And so, way to go, Van, on that. I mean, I love that. Um, Okay, one more thing I learned about you right before we started recording Mm -hmm. is that you have done voiceover for audiobooks, Mm -hmm. like a lot of them. It's all relative, but yes. Uh, a lot of them, <laughs> yes. I've I've read one in my life, which now they're, because I uh, do podcasting, they're probably like, oh yeah, she can read her own book, which as I always, I think that people like it because they're used to hearing my voice, uh-huh. right? Uh, but I don't have the best pronunciation of words. I make up words. I'm just not, I would never be hired for your job. When you do, I'm listening to a book right now on Audible. And she does different voices for different characters. Mm-hmm. This is what you do as well. I'm so intrigued, Van. Excuse my dumb questions. This the, is what you do as well. Yeah, that, on some of them, I will say the majority of the books, just because of the publishing company that I do a lot of them from, uh, are some self-help and okay, got uh, it. or some, uh, you know, 30-day... 30 Days to Change Your Life, 30 yeah, or, Days. Or, yeah, with then like a Bible passage and a little piece got about it, yes. it afterwards. Uh-huh. And, stuff like, and so... A lot of those, it's just my one voice with the exception of when I'm quoting something or something like that. And then there have been also, though, some that require them multiple You voices. change your voice when you quote it? A little bit, just just so the listener, so it's not like I also okay, add an show, accent. Give me, a, give, me a, give me an example. Just so, say something and then switch it. <laughs> I'm um, so intrigued. Yes, and uh, they were, in the course of events, this carried on. And as Martha said, oh, 
there's something going. I, I, it's Very hard to good. Do, I like so it. I, I need to sort of have this script in front of me. <laughs> and that's the challenge also with audiobooks is that when you're doing voiceovers for, say, like a video game or something like that, you usually have the script and it's short and you're able to read it and get familiar with it. And with the audiobooks, most of the time, you've not even seen it. Until you that get much, into the studio. Until you get into the studio. And I remember the very first one I did looking at it and trying, you know, because you're just trying to train your eye to read far enough mm-hmm. in advance while you're speaking one thing, reading so that you aren't just reading and going so you can like get the this with yeah. a word that, you know, and having just like a computer read it for you, uh-huh. right? Siri narrating your yeah. Uh, yeah. book. But it's so right brain. I got home and Julia was like, so what was the book about? And I'm like, I, I, I'm not. I don't know. Sure, like the part of comprehension and enjoyment you don't use at all. And it's almost this math, like you're just sort of trying to, it's gotten easier yeah. as you sort of go on with it. But Do people make a living by doing that? If you're really good. If oh. you've got like, I mean, there's some people that that's, that's their jam. They you know, they've got just that smoky, you know, narrator type yeah. voice that always, tell, you know, and can, yeah. they're just in demand and then they get a following in their, and yeah, so there's something, but it's, it's, it's a whole rare. new world. Yeah, it, it's it's a real niche sort of. It's a whole new world. Yeah. Um, okay, so a lot's happened in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Job changes, which you've this would be like your second major job change from you know mm-hmm. musical theater and acting in New York to becoming a lawyer and then teacher, musical mm-hmm. theater teacher. Uh, what do you th- when you think about ten years from now? What do you think about? What do you think about what's going to happen in your life in the next 10 years? Uh, you know, that's it's as far as professionally, I think I would love to be at this same school and do it. I mean, there's a lot of teachers that get into it, especially when they're doing it right out of college, mm-hmm. that each different school is sort of a stepping stone. At this stage, I have no interest in like, you know, trying to, oh, now I want to be this kind of teacher here. Yeah. And if, can I step up and do this? I feel more, I want to leave something in a legacy that, you know, when I have my retirement party at some point, they're like, oh, Mr. Tracy, you know, he's just built this program here mm-hmm. at this school. And, you know, and so leaving a bit of a legacy in that area that, you know, if I can be Mr. Vine was my teacher down back in high school, that people can sort of be like, oh, I remember back and he's the one who got this theater program going yeah. here and this developed this. I would love to be doing this for as long as it's, yeah. you know, working out, um, you know, personally. And family-wise, in ten years, kids will be Gone. out of the out of the house, and just thinking about you know what my hopes are, and just making sure that we're parenting them so that they're ready to leave and leave to be successful, not only you know professionally or whatever, but also as good people, good you know, humans, and, and good humans. Yeah. Do you ever want to go back to being on the stage? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily as a profession at all, but I would. I love. That's really. I love doing that. And I'm fortunate to be in a place where I can still work that in other kids and instill that that love in them. But I still, I love performing and acting. And I'm sort of still at heart a little bit of a song and dance person. Yeah, and to, yeah. Uh, and so if, if opportunities come up, especially during the summer now and things like that to perform, it's always, it's always something in the back of my head. There's still all that little part of me that's like, well, if I could still get that Valjean role so at some point, <laughs> somehow, you know. And, and, still holding and out for that. Do that. Uh, but, yeah, I love I love doing that. I'll always have that in me as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, I um, love hearing about how you chase something. And I don't mean to ask people your, their ages, but how old were you when you left being a lawyer? Mid-40s. Mid-40s. Mid, late, mid, late, late 40s. 40s. 
Which that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal when you think about career changes. Yeah. I mean, to think I'm going to be 47 and completely switch careers, it's unheard of. Well, I mean, I've had tons of people say, you know, how did you yeah. do that? How yeah. could, you know, that by that time, most people are sort of scared to not only change job, move to another job within the same industry, but to completely shift yeah. that is... Yeah, yeah. So my point in saying that is I think it's an encouragement to the listener that you're not ever too old to give up on something. You're not ever too old to think, what if I were to chase this dream? And again, we both understand that there are there are limitations. We have families. We have things that we have to, you know, take into consideration. But to be 47 and go, you know what, I'm just not happy with this. I'm gonna switch to something that makes me happy and that your family could see. It's commendable. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's an encouragement to the listener as well. So all that to say, thank you for coming on. It's been my pleasure. Your last decade on the Happy Hour Van. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, I loved having the conversation with Van today. And I hope that it was an encouragement to you to see a man who switched careers late in his life, in his late 40s, because he knew that there was something missing, that he could be happier and be more fulfilled in his life by giving back in a career that he loved. I know that I was personally super encouraged by that. Friends, thanks for listening to this special edition of the Happy Hour, Your Last Decade. Our hope in all of these special edition shows is that you too reflect on your last decade. Whether you were 23 years old or 10 or seven or 65, we want you to look back and see what God has done in your life and where he has brought you. How have you persevered? How have you screwed up? What would you do differently? And what are you so stinking proud of? Also, looking back always causes me to look forward. What do you hope to see happen in your next decade? Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper and organized by Lindsay Sweeney. The music is developed for the show by Matt Graham and show notes are written by Aki Slockers. We'd love it if you enjoyed the show, if you would share with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast. And we thank you ahead of time for that. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.